Welcome to Money Stories with LDT. I'm Linda Davis-Taylor, and this is Giving to Women and Girls with Sean Robinson. Once again, having that foundation and having that lesson from my parents of always make sure you have, not only for a rainy day, but to be able to make your own decisions. Today on Money Stories, we're joined by Sean Robinson, an Emmy-winning journalist, television host, author, producer, and philanthropist. She is perhaps best known in the entertainment industry for hosting shows like Access Hollywood and 90 Day Fiance. Prioritizing her goal of being a positive role model, Sean has also created her own nonprofit to help empower girls and young women. The Sean Foundation for Girls supports small grassroots charities that are doing work in five key areas of gender issues. From working with the UN's Girl Up Initiative to graduating from Spelman to being part of Women Moving Millions, Sean has no shortage of stories and insights. In today's episode, we'll explore themes of generosity, empowerment, and activism. It is such a pleasure to welcome today's Money Stories guest, Sean Robinson. Linda, it is such a pleasure to meet you and an honor to be here sharing my story with you. And congratulations on the success of uh, what you're doing to bring voices to uh, so many people who have a platform and many who don't. And I, I really appreciate the time uh, to spend with you today. Well, thank you. It's, it's, it's really a thrill. I know you and I uh, have chatted. We have a couple of geographies in common. We in common. We both lived in Atlanta. We both yes. lived in Los Angeles, and so all these interesting paths of of our lives um, yes. connect. And Sean, let me just start. I, there's so many things about your background that are so impressive and inspiring. And what's really interesting to me is how your work, your lifelong work with nonprofits, with philanthropy, and activism all around this really important message and goal of encouraging girls and women to develop confidence and self-esteem. And you know, I'm just gonna pick one. I know you've been invited recently to be involved with an organization called Women Moving Millions. Yes. Can you tell us a little bit about that and, and why that captured your attention? Yes, you know, it's so interesting, Linda. Um, philanthropy and giving back has been a part of my life since I can remember so far back. And my parents and grandparents always taught me that if God gives you a platform, use it to give back. And I was connected to Women Moving Millions, this amazing group of female philanthropists who have each dedicated to give a certain amount of their resources to women's and girls' causes. And that is very near to, and dear to my heart um, I wrote a book on girls and self-esteem mm -hmm. back in 2009 uh, called Exactly As I Am, which uh, talked to uh, girls about their issues with self-esteem. I sat on the board of Girls Inc., the National mm -hmm. Girls Empowerment Organization, and I currently sit on the board, advisory board of the United Nations Foundation's Girl Up campaign. And when I was connected to Women Moving Millions, it was because of all the work that mm -hmm. I have done in the past. But um, 
when you when you hear the term millions, and certainly this is uh, an incredible group of women that have resources to uh, to to fund causes. Mm-hmm. But when I joined, they asked me to write a an essay, a short essay about why I joined Women Moving Millions. Mm-hmm. And I had to think way back about where I came from, a little girl from Detroit, Michigan, uh, a, what was a middle-class family, lower middle-class, mm-hmm. but at that time, uh, Detroit, you know, you can, yep. you, your parents could work at the health department or the post office or the city in the city government and have a house, have yes. a car, have a vacation. Back then, you know, Detroit was the city that built America. No, my, uh, my husband's auto. from Detroit. My husband's oh, from yes. Detroit. So you know. Many so, times, absolutely. No way absolutely. You're, still, you're saying, Sean. Absolutely. And so, um, you know, my parents, modest income. My mother worked for the city. My dad worked for the city uh, as a health inspector. My mother worked um, as a secretary and also a um, work with the health department. Um, so, or rather with the water department. And I spent a lot of time at my grandmother's house because mm-hmm. my school was near my grandmother's house. And I remember my grandmother, Linda, taking me, I was a little girl. I was um, probably about seven years old, seven or eight years old. And my grandmother and I, and this is what I wrote in the essay mm-hmm. for Women Moving Millions. My grandmother and I, we would get on the bus, Livernois bus, and we would take mm-hmm. it across town. And I'd be so excited because we were on the bus and we would, you know, I'd see parts of the city that I had never seen before. And I would like, you know, press my nose up against the window <laughs> of the bus and look out, where are we going? And we would stop and we would get out the bus and as we were across town and my grandmother and I would walk into this building and I would, grandma would sit on a chair in the hallway and I would sit on the other side of the hallway playing with a doll or book, whatever I brought with me. We were in this hallway and a woman came out in all white with a badge attached to her white clothes and wrap something around my grandmother's arm and then stick a needle in my grandmother's arm. Mm. And we would sit there and grandma would have a ball in her hand and squeeze it and squeeze Mm -hmm. it and squeeze it, which what seemed like ours. Mm -hmm. We were at the Red Cross and grandma was donating blood, Mm -hmm. which she did on a regular basis. What a story. Sean. Back then, it was, there was a call for people to give blood yes. to the Red Cross. And grandma, who didn't work at all, she cleaned houses for people. And my grandfather, he worked as a custodian at the post office. They didn't have money. Mm-hmm. But this was my grandmother giving mm-hmm. what she could to help, to answer the call for help. And I get, you know, teary-eyed even thinking about it now. Absolutely. But this was my first introduction to philanthropy, Mm -hmm. to giving back. What do we have? What resources do we have to give to other people? Mm -hmm. And so grandma didn't have millions. Right. Grandma didn't have thousands or Mm -hmm. even hundreds, but she was a philanthropist. She was a woman who gave back. 
And so when I wrote this essay for Women Moving Millions, I talked about those early days. Um, my family built this foundation for me. My mother, my father, my grandmother built this foundation for me. And they said, whatever resources you have, give back to others. And then, so I've been doing philanthropy my entire life. And when I was introduced to Women Moving Millions, it was this group of phenomenal women who were using their resources to help girls and women around the world. And that is always, like I described, it's been a passion of mine. And so I, I welcome the opportunity to join them. Well, you literally, have, with that story of your grandmother, she was a member of Women Moving Millions too. <laughs> yes. It, you yes. just didn't maybe know what that was called. Yes, yes. I'm thinking about the millions of people my yes. grandmother probably helped. Yes, Women Moving yeah. Millions of people. So millions yeah. has many different meanings. Exactly. Really a philanthropist. Yes. Well, one of the things I always like to talk about in these conversations is just what you were touching on is what were your experiences about finances and and money growing up and when did you start being comfortable? And I just picked up a couple of important values that you've already shared, which is the importance of working hard. Yes. And being a mentor to other people and other family members. Is there, is there anything else just about, as you think about your own personal sort of money story and getting confident with that part of life that you could share with our listeners? Yeah, you know, um, once again, going back to growing up, my family that didn't make a lot of money at all, we always seemed to have enough. Mm -hmm. You know, there was not a lack of anything. I never went without, you know, shelter or food, thank God, or clothes or anything mm -hmm. like that. Um, it is certainly a different time today where the resources, uh, you know, we have are, are stretched thinner and thinner and right. thinner. So when I think about back about the money, uh, the, the lessons about money, it was never about extravagance and buying a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, it was about um, having what you needed and saving mm, the, there you go. The, uh, the rest for a rainy day. You know, always save for a rainy day. Mm -hmm. When I got my job at Access Hollywood, this is a national entertainment show. Back then, it was 1999. And national back then certainly was different than national no, right now, which uh, we are in a global society. But back mm -hmm. then, it was a really big deal to be on a national entertainment Absolutely. show. Huge. Yeah. And so, you know, I started making money. And my parents always told me, you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. You don't know what's going to happen down the road. So make sure you save. And so I was really good at saving money. Mm -hmm. and, and, and Linda, in Hollywood, oftentimes you are judged on how much stuff you have. Totally. And you yes. can see that on social media very well, unfortunately, today, you know, people are talking about, I got this, I got diamonds and shoes and all that. And that did influence me many times. And, you know, I wanted the latest things, but once again, having that foundation and having that lesson from my parents of always make sure you have, not only for a rainy day, but 
to be able to make your own decisions and to have independence to make your own decisions. And that is why when after 16 years, um, when I left that old job, I was in a position to be able to say, this is what I want to do. I want to take a break. I want to, you know, focus on other things. And that independence allowed me to be able to make certain decisions. And so, um, you know, I always, even today, I'm always like, just because, you know, this check is coming in, it doesn't mean that check is going to be coming in a year from now. So make sure you save. So that was always the lesson for me. Mm So it's those it's it's really those values that you have, and I'm just I'm so interested. At, you work with so many organizations and young girls and adolescents, and not everyone always has those examples in yes. their in their lives early in their lives. You did, I certainly feel that I did in many ways. Yeah. So I'm so pleased and and honored, really, that you have continued to spend so much of your own resources, time, heart, soul, money, whatever the, whatever it is, on this notion of self-esteem for girls. Yes. And do you think that financial, even basic skills or education, have you seen any, any example where that's important to the self-esteem of girls, even at a young age? Yes. Well, you know, getting back to the whole idea of social media, where girls spend a majority of their time, oftentimes, and especially during the pandemic, when they're at home, and they've just got their phone mm-hmm. with them, and they're just scrolling up and down. There's nothing about social media that teaches girls to save money. Okay, <laughs> There's nothing about, you know, put, you know, put your money away from the way. It's about having this makeup, having this mm-hmm. hair, having stuff. Okay. Mm -hmm. And when you don't have that stuff, it affects your self-esteem. So um, what, you know, what I try to do is we got to get to the why. For me as a journalist, being raised and trained and educated as a a journalist, getting to the why of the self-esteem issues. And Mm -hmm. a lot of it is the comparison between themselves, the haves and the have nots, Mm -hmm. okay? And look, Linda, I have, listen, I have interviewed the richest people in the world Mm -hmm. in Hollywood. One year they've got stuff, you check in with them, you know, five years down the line and they don't have anything. You know, it is easy no matter where you're starting to get caught up in, you know, whatever it is Mm -hmm. that, that makes you financially insecure. And so just getting back to the issue of girls, I have long believed that things just come down to the simple for me. Mm -hmm. And why are girls having self-esteem issues? Mm -hmm. And many of those self-esteem issues come from the comparison of, you know, I I don't have as much as this person. I'm not as pretty. I'm not as skinny. I'm not as whatever. I don't have the resources that these other people have. So, you know, how do you fix that Mm -hmm. is, is looking inward and saying my value comes from, in my book, um, Oprah Winfrey gave me a beautiful quote. It said, you're valuable because you're born. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And that is the Enough. bottom line. It's not that you have to compare yourself to anyone. So how does that relate to financial security? It's about, you know, knowing once again, that you don't have to have the latest stuff and you don't have to spend all your resources or be focused on, you know, getting the latest style of something. It is having a sense of value because you are enough mm-hmm. and knowing as fickle as, you know, our society is now that you've got to, you know, you've got once you, if you, when you do get a job, you've got to save some of that money so that you can have, you know, something for a rainy day or something, you know, down the line when you get older. And so really instilling those, instilling those values about having a sense of self and being worthy and being valuable without all that stuff, mm-hmm. I think really, really is directly affecting financial security and financial insecurity. So in a way, our era is, has the tendency to make some of this worse because of social media. Absolutely. I do. I absolutely believe that. So this, these messages that you're giving, the one of, uh, back to your word, <laughs> independence, you talked yeah. about your job and your saving and, and that you had the independence financially to make whatever next decision you wanted to make. You didn't have to ask anybody else about it. I'm sure you had advice, but you didn't have to depend on what somebody else was going to give you or say or do. You know, I want to ask you about something that I keep reading about, and that is that even today, something like 45% of millennial women who, and these are millennial women who are married to a man, still delegate the majority of their financial decisions to their spouse. That really surprised me. Does that surprise you? Well, I know some women in their 50s who do that, okay? Not only millennial women, but 40s, 50s, 60s. I there was, I was a, <laughs> there was a friend of mine, actually, who... I was asking, I don't know about an accountant or I don't know something. And, and she's like, Oh, I don't know. My husband handles all of that. And I'm thinking, I, 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 I can't, mm-hmm. like, I can't even, I don't, I don't even know why that is, is okay with many one. I'm sorry. I, you know, and I, I, I don't want to be judgmental, but I know, learning about money can be scary, Mm -hmm. but leaving it in someone else's hands can be even scarier. I have never been in a situation, even when I was married and I'm divorced. um, And and that's another reason why you want to know how much money you have. You know know what's happening. You never know what's coming down the pike. I'm telling you. So you need to know. You just need to know. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't, that in in effect, that you're passing on part of your own confidence to someone else. Right. And you don't want to know where the money is going. You want to know the what bills are being paid or not being paid. I have a friend who found out her husband was deeply in debt, not her husband, but they were deeply in debt because the husband was not paying the bills as she thought he was doing. You just want to have 
control. You want that knowledge. And it's, it's, uh, I'm telling you, that would be a very scary place for me to be in. And once again, I don't want to be judgmental, uh, but it would be a very scary place for me to be in, not knowing if bills are being paid, how they're being paid, where the bills are going. Like, why are you spending money on this right here? What's going on over here? Right. And so, it's yeah, talking me, about it. Most women say they would rather talk about anything else than money. Yeah. Anything that, else. That, yeah, no. And not, so not. I think for some, not clearly not for you, you, yes. you're very accomplished and confident, but for uh, we both have friends and, and I was in a financial advisory firm for many years and saw so many women who life happened. They lived longer than their husbands. They went through divorces. They never, you know, married in the first place. And so most of us, something like 80 or 90% of us at some point, us we women will yeah. be the person in charge of our financial lives as well as the rest of our lives. Yes. So since, I don't know about you, but I wouldn't want to count on being a part of the 5%. No, right. And this is, it's so interesting that you said millennial women, because I thought that was more a trait of older women. I know. Um, you know, listen, my, my grandmother, going back to my grandmother, I know she was in charge of the finances in the house. My grandfather actually came home and he would hand his check to her. Smart man. And she, <laughs> I remember that well. And she would take it to the bank or wherever to get it cashed. Mm -hmm. I cannot imagine leaving that something so important to your well-being in the hands of another person. Even, I mean, you know, listen. There are many people, uh, I know you know, that have business managers, mm -hmm. okay? Wealthy people have, yep. have business managers. There have been, I've covered countless stories of business managers taking money right. from the clients. And yeah, you can sue them later on if they still have the money. Right, good luck with that. But a lot of times you're, you're, loss. You don't know, you know, what's happening to the money. So, so you can have people to delegate to. We're not saying absolutely. everybody needs to be a financial advisor. Right. You, you have the advisors that you need, the knowledge that you need, but you can't delegate your responsibility, your you personal responsibility. Know. Right. You need to know where your money is going. Here, you need to see the record. You need to see the book. Now, listen, I have a financial advisor and, you know, he says, okay, we're going to put money in this stock. Is that, am I sitting there researching every no. single stock? No, I'm not no. doing that. Okay. But you I know the expert for that. Exactly. Exactly. Now there are other people who do research. Mm -hmm. I'm sure Warren Buffett researches all the stocks, <laughs> so, sure. you know, but that, you know, he did, but, um, but I, I don't do that. But in terms of, like having a spouse or, you know, somebody just saying, okay, give me the money or I'm not going to tell you where the money is going. I know mm -mm, that that is, I, I don't think that's wise at all. And, and I think is, would it be fair to say that you've done so much research and work on self-esteem in the end, that doesn't add to our self-esteem. No. And it's not like, it's not even like, oh, my husband's taking care of me. He's taking care of all the finances. He's so strong and smart. I just leave that to him. That's not empowering at all. Not when it comes to your financial stability. Mm -hmm. 
Not at all. And so I think we used to think of finances as a, as a male mm-hmm. thing. Um, and Wall Street told us that too. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's why men are in charge because financial, you know, if you're in charge of the finances, you're in charge of the power. It's power. Exactly. You know, so I think most of our women listeners of any age, if thinking about those millennials and younger, they don't, they don't want to give up their power. No, they really don't. You know, you've talked to so many, they want to influence world the world and the kind of world we're living in and how the change they want to see so they they know that it's just encouraging them to connect this money thing with other kinds of influence yes 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 exactly and if you uh, are an advocate of women's empowerment that includes finances right you know, that includes financial empowerment. Um, it's not, it's not separate because listen, you know, and, and if you want to be a, you know, a philanthropist, somebody who, you know, donates to different causes, like even for me, my foundation supports uh, small grassroots nonprofits that are doing work in five key areas of girls issues. I just don't, you know, it's, you know we, we, we bet the organization, but I just don't give them the money and say, here, here you go. They need to tell me where that money is going and how it's going to help girls. And, and as a matter of fact, I would, I almost would rather, you know, give something tangible to an organization that I help than just give money. I do give money. I do give money because I trust and they, they've told me where the money is going. But equally as important for me is, um, you know, giving them the resources that mm-hmm. they need. And oftentimes that is money. Mm-hmm. But like, for example, there's an organization in my hometown, Detroit, called uh, Alternatives for Girls. And they help rescue women and girls who are victims of sex trafficking. Mm-hmm. And one of, and we've given them a financial donation, uh, but right now I'm putting together these survival kits um, that where, where when women and girls are rescued off the streets, what are the things that they need when they're taken off the streets for the first time in years? And what are the things that they need? You know, they need toothpaste, they need a toothbrush. Practical. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they need a washcloth and soap and lotion and things like that. So I'm putting together those, those um, kits for them. Um, but, you know, getting back to the financial grants that we give them, I, they have to show me where that money is going. So I don't just, you know. You're investing. You're an investor. Exactly. Sometimes there's a little bit of a, I don't know, a misunderstanding about what philanthropy really is. Yes. And not that charity is a bad word, but sometimes the word charity can imply that you're just giving something, but you're, you're investing, you're doing the research, you're investing uh, in this particular organization because you've decided that they're going to make a difference. They're going to have impact. So you're, you're an investor, you know, just think about that. We started this conversation, you talking about your wonderful grandmother and now I mean, maybe she did have the chance to know 
all the things you were doing uh, now as a as a grown up quote quote, but um, how phenomenal it is that now you have a foundation and you've decided back to independence and how and and how you know the ability to make choices. You decided yeah. I am going to take this lifelong interest and I'm going to create this foundation yeah. and I'm yeah. going to do it my way. Yes. I mean, to me, that is such an inspiring reason. Even if our girls and women listening, they think, oh, I don't, this money thing is not interesting to me. Maybe it isn't. But to be able to decide exactly how you're going to impact the world and go out there and create it and do it, to me, that's, that's so inspiring. And, and uh, I hope that some of our listeners are able to see themselves saying, hey, you know, maybe I can do this too. And the only reason Sean is able to do it is that she understands the whole picture. Yeah. And, you know, I always say, and this is, you know, getting back to women moving millions. uh, We have some wonderful members of this, um, this organization. Um, You know, some have, you know, infinite resources and some like me have limited resources. Um, But, you know, once again, it's not, if I came in there, just not like that story I was telling you of girls comparing themselves mm-hmm. to other girls. If I, if I went into Women Moving Millions thinking, oh my God, but they've got all this, you know, they can do so much more than I can do, then I wouldn't be using my gifts and mm-hmm. the talents I was given and the resources that I was given. Because you're always looking at somebody else in, 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 in terms of, you know, what they can give and if they can give more. Like I have a friend here in LA, Nancy Davis, who is an extraordinary philanthropist. She started a race to erase MS. Her mother is Mm. Barbara Davis, Mm. uh, who created the Carousel of Hope. Mm. But they raise millions and millions and millions of dollars every year Mm. and have impacted so many people. And I, I just applaud both of them, and I talked to my friend Nancy, who's who's been in the philanthropy business for decades. And if I looked at her and compared myself to her, I would think, well, geez, you know, I'm not raising all million. I've been raising millions of dollars for you know three decades. But that survival kit mm-hmm. that I'm sending to the alternatives for girls, the woman who gets that is going to feel just as good as the people that my friend helped to. Absolutely true. No. Um, so once again, give it, and, and, and the, the person that got my grandmother's blood, her life source, you know, that was a life source for them. You know, she impacted that life very, very deeply. So it's about, using the resources that you have and really believing that you can make a difference. You know, there's so many studies now, um, neurological research that says giving is good for us. Giving Mm -hmm. is good for our brains. Yes. Giving is healthy. And so that's another reason, right? And starting young, just like you did, starting young. So, you know, Sean, you mentioned earlier, I I don't want to forget to ask you a little bit more about your amazing book. Can you just share a couple of insights for those who may not have read it yet? Yes. 
exactly as I am. I have this one um, and I have, I have it all bookmarked. Okay, let me read something that Oprah Winfrey told me. Um, ah, here we go. She said, on remaining true to yourself, she said, true self-esteem is realizing that you are valuable because you were born. No matter where you come from, what color your skin is, what people say about your family, or what mean things people have done to you, because you were born, you are important and you matter. Beautiful. Yes. Well, that is an inspiring way to conclude our conversation. But I, I would love to know, because you're such a positive soul yourself, as we you know, move along here in 2021 and everything going on in the world, new things every day that frighten us, some things that inspire us. What gives you hope for the future? Uh, faith is very important to me. I was raised in the church. You know, I just think the human spirit is hopeful. And, you know, I talk about, you know, talking about Detroit, there is a, a you know, just a resilience mm -hmm that I learned from being from Detroit, mm -hmm. because that was a city that was, that, you know, came back, just yep. came back, you know, from the brink almost. So I think that is just kind of ingrained in me that, you know, um, fall seven times, get up eight. And as I see all the businesses, I drive down, you know, Wilshire Boulevard or Ventura Boulevard, uh, here in LA, and I see all the businesses that have closed, I do see uh, signs of, of life, you know, people mm -hmm. getting back yep. and, and, you know, just getting out and they may be going to dinner safely with your mask. But I just think that we, we don't really have any choice but to have hope. Yep. You know, we don't want to live our lives. I know I don't thinking things are hopeless. Hope is what helps us get up every single morning and put two feet in front of the other. So I think that, you know, hope is just, is just ingrained in us. Uh, it's in our DNA. Mm -hmm. At least it's in my DNA. Absolutely. And I'm glad that my parents and my grandparents raised me in a way to always be hopeful and always to have faith. Well, I know that your words and your sharing is going to give hope to so many of our listeners. It certainly does to me. We've, uh, we've been a little bit unfriendly to social media in this conversation, but would you like to share anything about with our listeners about how they yes. can find you on social media? Oh, yeah, you know, and I try to be as positive as possible. To myself. <laughs> I know. I try to, you know, uh, you know, there, there are too many trolls out there and too much hatred out there and getting a break from social media helps your mental health. But um, so I try to always post positive things and, and, and uplift people. I'm, I'm combating it every single day. I'm combating the trolls every single day. Yep. So my social media uh, Instagram is Ms. M.S. Sean Robinson. So Ms. Sean Robinson. It on Facebook, it's Sean Robinson. Instagram, it's Sean Robinson. Then I'm at SeanRobinson.com. Perfect. <laughs> Well, this has been a thrill and fun and a pleasure. And thank you so much for joining us, Sean. Thank you, Linda. It's been a, been a pleasure talking to you.
Want more money stories? Check out my Instagram at lindadavistaylor underscore LDT to learn more about our incredible lineup of guests and share your own money story. Until next time, 